Welcome to Strong Not Starving, my name's Marcus Kane, and if you want to beat binge eating and create a rewarding dynamic with food, exercise, and body image, you're in the right place. The information in this podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice. Today we're going to chat about something that a lot of us are doing that becomes very much like a self-perpetuating cycle with binge eating. It's something that will absolutely keep you stuck, feeling like a slave to your food choices, and I'm not talking about dieting. Usually when people talk about self-fulfilling cycles or, you know, self-perpetuating cycles with binge eating, the topic of choice is usually dieting. Oh, it's your dieting that's making you do this. It's your dieting that's making you do that. I'm going to set aside the obvious answer for a second today and talk about something a bit different. And a quick note before I go on, the resource that I'm putting together on effective gimmick-free exercise is currently in the works. It'll be available before the end of January and the working title is Training Not Triggering. So in this resource, you can trust that there will be no talk of calories, weight, restrictive dietary practices, or anything other than the most helpful and constructive information about how you can create a successful and fulfilling relationship with exercise. I'm gonna be covering everything from basic beginner principles to advanced methods and programming, so stay tuned for that. And as far as what we're chatting about today, I'm talking about trying to practice food freedom and using food to respond to difficult emotions too much in a way that actually decreases our ability to handle distress or any kind of stress or difficult emotions without food. Now, side note, this can also happen in the other direction. When we restrict food choices and limit our options extensively in the name of only eating what we feel totally safe eating, we chip away at our ability to be flexible until we build a cage around ourselves. So as we talk about this today, I'm going to talk about how responding to emotions with food too much isn't helping. But know that the same principles still apply to responding to difficult emotions or feelings with restriction. Now, this is something that can make even the best attempts at cultivating unconditional permission around food go totally sideways. And so many of us are actually using food to respond to our own emotional experience too much without even realizing it. It's something that happens very unconsciously. It's something that happens very habitually. And in saying this, I'm not saying that it's never appropriate to make an emotional food choice. All right. So before I go on with even one more sentence, let's just get that absolutely clear. I'm not saying to never, ever make an emotional food choice. That's unrealistic, right? That's not taking the human experience into account. What I'm saying is that so frequently, many of us are doing that more often than we might feel we are, and we're doing it very, very unconsciously. And that can become a really big problem that feeds this self-perpetuating cycle. Because when we use food to respond to difficult emotions or to numb our feelings, it lowers our distress tolerance. We lose the ability to handle certain feelings without leaning on food or some other kind of tool to numb. And in turn, we often experience what feels like kind of just continuous eating when we're not hungry. Maybe not so much like out of control binge eating, but just a lot of eating when we're not really hungry in a way that leads to feelings of regret. Now, this is one of the main reasons why it's so important to be mindful and intentional when practicing food freedom and why so many of us have had like really 
unsuccessful experiences while trying to practice unconditional permission surrounding food. Like a lot of us are getting unconditional permission mixed up with giving ourselves a green light to act on every craving. And doing that isn't actually practicing food freedom or unconditional permission. It's actually just lowering our distress tolerance and making it harder to deal with emotions and stress, etc., without food to numb the experience. And it's really essential to remember here that the way forward isn't about the absence of stress or difficult feelings or emotions. It's about knowing how to deal with them in a constructive way so they don't feel like a big deal anymore. And it might be hard to imagine being able to do that. Like some things you're experiencing might feel so big or so well established that they just feel like they're a part of your personality at this stage and there's nothing that can be done about it. But that's not true. So think of how many things you do routinely now every day that were really hard when you tried to do them for the first time. It's self-judgment and a negative inner commentary that gets in the way of mastering what's necessary to change your entire experience of food in your body. And what I mean there is like... Think of learning to walk, like learning to walk and learning to speak are two of the hardest things that we do. But because we start so young, before we've established any semblance of a negative inner voice, we just keep trying and keep going until we get it. Like imagine if at a really young age you tried walking or speaking and your own self-judgment told you like, ah, this is just too hard. I see other people doing it, but this is not this is just this is just not for me like i suck i can't do it i'm just going to stick to crawling and of course that wouldn't be a reflection on what you were actually capable of it would just be a reflection of how much you bought into that limiting inner voice because it might seem like something kind of different that we do as adults when we label certain things as quote too hard but it's really not that different the only difference is really that with age comes this inner voice comes the voice of all our experiences and often those experiences are kind of shitty when we learn how to do certain things when we're really really young the only real difference i mean of course there's some neurological differences sure if we want to split hairs but one of the biggest differences is the absence of the inner voice that talks you out of doing what needs to be done now this is why i yak on so often about the importance of treating like non-judgmental self-awareness as a practice, building that ability to be super self-aware while stepping outside that sabotaging self-critical voice that fills you with doubt and fear. And I know it sounds like a cliche, but most good things live on the other side of a wall that's made of self-doubt and fear. It's non-judgmental awareness and robust distress tolerance that allows us to walk through that wall. It's non-judgmental awareness and robust distress tolerance that allows some people to do things that other people don't think they can. Success is not the absence of the feelings that are currently blocking you. It's just about you becoming confident navigating that territory. And when we become confident enough, things get easier to the point where it's almost as if those like self-sabotaging thoughts and feelings are gone, but they're not gone. You just got so much better at dealing with them to the point where, you know, something that at one point bothered you a shit ton doesn't really bother you anymore. And here's the kicker, right? It works in the opposite way as well. If we start building a protective bubble around ourselves, all the hard things that we shield ourselves from start feeling harder 
and even more overwhelming, more unchangeable. As a personal trainer, I saw this happen a lot. People would often talk to me about their lives and their professional trajectories and what they do in their spare time and what they did when they were kids and everything. And I noticed something kind of disturbing and like really unnerving when certain people, often they'd be in their 40s, 50s, 60s, they would come to me and start talking about what they're willing to do now, what they're not willing to do. And I'm not talking about in terms of exercise. I'm just talking about their life. They would often be, for lack of a better way to put it, quite set in their ways and quite self-sheltering, I want to say. And then they would describe to me what they were like when they were younger. And it was like, are you kidding me? Like when they were younger, they learned multiple languages and traveled the world and put themselves in all these different situations and challenged themselves and everything like that. But with a certain degree of professional success or whatever it is that they experienced as they got older, they built this nice, comfortable bubble around themselves and lost the ability to manage distress. Now, this was scary as fuck for me recently because my wife called me out on the fact that I was getting too protective of my routine. This happened just last week. I'd slipped into this old pattern of creating a nice, comfortable bubble around myself and seeing any deviation from that as a pain in the ass. Now, last year, like I was working hard, sure, but I was working hard only on the things that I felt comfortable working hard on. And I've lived in that space in the past and become really depressed, creating like a hyper-sterile, controlled environment around myself in the name of productivity and achievement. For me, that's a really easy trap to fall into because of my own personal bias. I tend to put work and achievement on a pedestal, so I can fall into that trap of feeling like any sacrifice that's made in the name of work and achievement and providing for my family makes it worth it or justifies it. Any inflexibility I start to cultivate regarding my routine, regarding my habits, regarding how far out of my comfort zone I'm willing to step. It's so easy for me to just start building that bubble to get into a routine and all of a sudden start getting really grumpy if that's disrupted. So I'm needing to do some things like get out of my comfort zone socially and challenge my compulsive tendencies when it comes to work and my routine and actively practice letting go of perfectionism. Like being really honest with myself about when I'm using certain things to try and switch off my emotions or distract from my emotions as opposed to being able to navigate them in a healthy way. And this is a daily practice. Like binge eating and fear surrounding body image is a distant memory for me at this stage, but that doesn't mean that the same things that made me susceptible to developing an eating disorder aren't showing up in other areas, like knocking on the door, trying to get in. And when my wife mentioned this, like I felt really called out and uncomfortable, but I'm grateful that Marta did challenge me about re-examining my comfort zone and my routines. And this is why it's so important to practice responding to difficult emotions differently. Why it's so important 
not to set out to eliminate discomfort and also why it's so important to call yourself out when you're working hard, but only working on the things that you feel comfortable working hard on. My schedule can get a bit mad sometimes and Marta tells me how grateful she is for what I do for us. But at that same time, when she challenged me regarding that bubble I was building around myself and I said like, you know, I work hard and stretch my comfort zone all the time. She said, okay, sure, but only with the things you feel confident stretching your comfort zone with. And that's a super profound reminder. As a takeaway from this episode, challenge yourself to put pen to paper with this. Write a list of things that you do that are the kind of hard that you feel comfortable doing and a list of things that are hard that you completely avoid because they feel like the kind of super uncomfortable, overwhelming brand of hard that you don't even want to look at. And spoiler alert, some of the overwhelming, uncomfortable things are going to feel pretty vulnerable. You might be able to work a 16-hour day and put the world's problems right, but can you allow the uncomfortable feelings that come up when you're by yourself and you say no to an urge to binge eat? Can you expand your repertoire of food choices and confidently face the part of yourself that tries to consume you with guilt? Can you, without distracting yourself, calmly face that part of you that's screaming to diet just to see the number on the scale move even when you know that that hasn't led to anything good in the past? And in saying this, I'm not saying you need to do nothing if your health and fitness is on your mind. This is one of the reasons I'm putting that resource together around exercise and training that I mentioned at the start of the episode. But instead of like calorie counting and restricting food groups, how might your life look if you made emotional food choices 80 or 90% less frequently? Even 50% less frequently. Bear in mind, the first step to doing that is being in tune and self-aware enough to notice when we're doing it. Like instead of feeling like you need to exercise a certain way or for a certain period of time to make you feel like it was worth it, how might your life look if you were exercising in such a way that felt compelling and fulfilling and flexible? And instead of dieting to control your weight, how might your life change if you didn't experience loud, obsessive thoughts around food all day? Achieving any of these things comes with a well-developed ability to deal with discomfort confidently, to deal with not just the difficult things that you feel confident dealing with, but the difficult things that scare the shit out of you. Everything you're doing confidently right now was difficult or overwhelming at some point. And remember, my full-time job is supporting people on this journey and offering the most direct route from where you are right now with food and body image to where you want to be. I'm not screwing around. If you want your life to change, reach out to me for a call by following the link in the episode description. But whenever something feels truly overwhelming, that just means usually one of two things or a combination of these two things. Number one, we haven't broken the process down into steps that are manageable enough. And two, we're handing over control to the voice of self-judgment, fear, and self-sabotage. In other words, there's an absence of non-judgmental awareness. So the next time you feel yourself driven to eat in a way that feels like you're just on autopilot or seeking to gain relief from a difficult feeling, pause and lean into the sensation of the emotion you find in that space, even if it's just for a minute. If you do that and it feels overwhelming, 
what thoughts are you experiencing that's making it so scary? Like, is it possible that those thoughts aren't quite as objective as they might be pretending to be? What if a different reality for you could be true? You don't need to decide whether it's possible or not, but you can ask that question. What if a different reality could be true? What if? Keep this in mind and reach out to me by following the link in the episode description if you have questions or you would like support. My name is Marcus Kane. This was Strong Not Starving. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week.